God, our Father, we are grateful for your gospel. We're, we're grateful for the good news of the salvation that comes to us through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his cross, through his death, through his perfect life of obedience to the law. We are grateful that we can be justified and made right, that we can be washed away of all of our sins and forgiven, and that we can stand in your presence holy and blameless through the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus. We thank you for your glorious spirit that has called us to you and effectually drawn us, God, so that we now have become obedient through faith. We thank you for your spirit that sanctifies us and reveals the word to us. We thank you for your good presence living in our hearts. And so, Lord, today we want to learn more about you. We want to uh, know and understand the gospel as clearly as possible. And so we ask you, God, help us to see, help us to know, help us to understand this gospel that saved us. And, Lord, we uh, just ask that you give us strength in our faith to be good ministers of this gospel to the world around us. We honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, we've been talking about the doctrine of justification by faith as we've been discussing the gospel. And we started out by looking at the Protestant Reformation. Reason being, the issues that were at stake in the Protestant Reformation make the gospel crystal clear to us. Amen? And so we've been talking about those at length. And then last week, we kind of moved off of what Roman teaching was and kind of moved on to what is it that the the reformers were, were saying and how they were saying it. And so with that, we introduced the five solas of the Protestant Reformation. Of course, those being sola scriptura, sola Christus, sola gratia, sola fide, sola deo gloria. And so we talked just a little bit about those and um, just said about them that these are five fundamental principles that summarize the Reformation protest, but they also clearly define the fundamental principles of salvation and Christian faith. These clearly summarize the gospel message and point to the heart of the issues at stake in the gospel. So these weren't only the the issues that were at stake in the Reformation, but they really are the essential principles of Christian life and faith. Amen? And so uh, we're looking then at the, at the five solas in order to understand more about them. And of course last week we, we talked about sola scriptura, the fact that the scripture alone is the final rule of Christian life, faith, and practice, that it is clear and self-interpreting. And that the issue here is, of course, that it was in contrast to the Roman teaching that the church, that is the tradition and the fathers of the church, was the final authority of faith and practice. More than this, they taught that only the church and the priesthood could rightly interpret the scripture because it was inaccessible to the common man. Sola Scriptura clearly meant that not only was the scripture and not the church the final rule of faith and practice, but that it could be understood by the common man, not only by a special priesthood, because it was clear, it was per... per 
and understandable because the Holy Spirit could interpret the meaning to each believer. Not only this, but Sola Scriptura also meant that the Bible was complete. It was a complete revelation of God in its closed canon. Okay? And that, so if you will, Sola Scriptura is saying that the Word of God is closed in its canon. It, it has been written. It has been recorded for us. And there is no additional revelation that we need. Right? That God has revealed Himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Old Testament pointed to him. Then when he came, he fulfilled that Old Testament revelation. The New Testament then is what the writers of the New Testament, the apostles, wrote to record that revelation of God in Jesus Christ. And so if you will, the canon is closed in the New Testament. And of course, um, that's a whole other subject. But the fact of the matter is, the Bible is complete. The revelation of God is complete. And Sola Scriptura is stating that, that Scripture alone and nothing else is the final rule of faith and practice in the church, which by that very statement means that the Scripture is complete, that it's sufficient to define what the faith is and to define what the revelation of God is, okay? So there was more to Sola Scriptura than just, you know, the Bible is the final authority and not just the church. But inherent in that teaching is the fact that the Bible is a complete revelation. It's a sufficient revelation. And and that not only that, but even the common man can read it and understand it. Amen? Okay. So then, moving on from there, top of page 99, Sola Christus. Christ is the only mediator between God and man. The only mediator. Christ's person and work alone are sufficient to save. More than this, Jesus Christ is the only incarnate self-revelation of God who has come and explained God to us. Okay? I want you to get this. In the same way that Sola Scriptura is not just the church I'm sorry, the Bible and not the church is the final rule. In the same way, Sola Christus is not just the fact that Jesus is the only mediator, but the Jesus of the Bible is the only mediator. Okay? And so what we're saying is is that specifically, Jesus is the only incarnate, God incarnate, Okay, he's the only incarnate self-revelation of God. So we are affirming in Sola Christus that Jesus is the Son of God. He's also God the Son, who has come and given his life and his death in our place for us vicariously. And that is what makes him the only mediator between God and man. Are you with me? So Sola Christus is not just affirming that Jesus is the only one and the only way, but it is also affirming who the biblical Jesus is. Are you with me? And of course the reformers uh, uh, were were, uh, uh, articulating this very, very well. Okay, But the, the, uh, the nature of Christ was not such a focus of their protest because the Roman church had that right. That was a doctrine they, they weren't really uh, up in arms about, okay? Because the Roman church was affirming the deity of Christ all the way through. 
So uh, what they were really trying to focus on was the fact that Christ alone is the mediator, therefore you don't need a special priesthood. Christ alone is the mediator, therefore you don't need a confessional and the things that go on in the confessional. Okay? Not that you don't need to confess your sins, but you don't need the Roman practice and tradition of a confessional. And you don't need a special priesthood to absolve you of your sins. That would be Jesus, our great high priest. Amen? And so, Jesus then, being the only incarnate self-revelation of God, is the object of faith and the focal point of all of human history. This, of course, was in contrast to the special priesthood of the Roman church and the teaching that the only, only the church could explain or reveal God to the people. See, that's what they were saying also, was that it was only the church that could interpret the scripture and then tell the church what the scripture was saying. And that, that special priesthood was needed to interpret the scripture, right? Well, <clears throat> Christ himself, his person, and his work only have sufficient merit to justify us before God and provide a righteousness for us that's not our own, that is complete in the sight of God. His life and death are the basis on which the believer is justified. It cannot be merited by good works. And this is absolutely necessary in the sight of God, being the only sufficient grounds for justification by God. Christ and his teaching are the only way to God, the only true revelation of God in history, and the only redeemer of mankind. And so the main thing that Sola Christus is really proclaiming is that Christ alone is sufficient to justify us before God, to redeem us uh, from our sins. Christ's payment is paid in full. And that, that Christ's payment alone is all that God needs in order to declare us righteous. You understand? It's not Christ plus anything else. Okay? And some would say, well, it's Christ plus faith, right? No, it's not Christ plus faith. Faith is the way that we get Christ. It's the conduit that Christ comes to us. But Christ is the object of faith. He, his life and death is what merits righteousness in the sight of God. Are you with me? He is the basis for salvation. His righteousness is the righteousness we receive in the gospel. Are you with me? We re- simply receive it by faith. Faith is the tool that lays hold of Christ who is the object of faith. Are you with me? Everybody got that one? Okay. Sola Christus. I think it's really Solus Christus. But I don't know my Latin, so. Uh, Sola Gratia. God's grace only is the origin of salvation. Okay, now think about this. God's grace only is the origin of salvation. All elements of salvation are an unmerited gift from God. God is the one who has reconciled us to himself, having planned, purchased, and applied, Trinity implied, salvation to each individual believer. You see, it's, all, it's God's plan. Redemption is God's plan, right? Creation is the stage that God made on which to play out the, the plan of redemption, right? And so 
God is the originator of salvation. Jesus Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. Right? Of course, this all came about because the, the members of the Trinity had a covenant. Right? They had an agreement before time began. That, you know, the Father would plant it, the Son would purchase it, the Spirit would apply it. Amen? And they each have their different roles in redemption to play. Okay? But all of that originated in the mind of the triune God. Amen? And so, um, Jesus is the one who predestines, calls, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies. God himself is the one who does all these things. God sets our destiny from beforehand. He's chosen us from the foundation of the world. Salvation has its origin in God, and that by God's grace only. Okay? What good thing did you do that God should choose you? Are you with me? Getting a feel for what sola gratia really means? <clears throat> in short, salvation is wholly the work of God. From first to last, its origin and completion is his work. Therefore, salvation is not merited by any work of man, nor can it be in any sense merited by anything we can do. You understand? The merit belongs to Christ. And salvation comes to us gratuitously by God. He gives it as a gift. It's a free gift. It is not merited by the receiver. Okay? If it were, it would not be a gift. Amen? Understand? Understand what a gift is? A gift means it is free. It's free. You don't pay for it, right? Right? You don't you give somebody a gift for their birthday and say, okay, five bucks, fella. Right? Right? A gift is free. Salvation is a gift. It's free. You don't merit it. You don't pay for it. Right? It's not Christ plus all the good things you can do. And then you'll be saved. It's not Christ plus suffer in hell for a thousand years. And then you'll be saved. Right? It's not Christ plus anything. Salvation is the free gift of God by His grace. Amen? Are you with me? Sola gratia. Salvation is not merited, nor can it be, right? This, of course, was in contrast to the Roman teaching of merit, indulgences, purgatory, and the like. We cannot work for or buy salvation, nor can we suffer long enough in purgatory in order to purge sin from us. Rather, salvation is the free gift of God. What does Romans 6.23 say? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? The what gift? Free. The free gift. What does, how does the Bible describe eternal life? A free gift. You know what that means? You can't buy it. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. Amen? You with me? Are you with me? It's a free gift. Man, that's just got to be fixed in our understanding of the gospel. There isn't anything you can do even if you could do it. Are you with me? Okie dokie. Praise God. 
What a glorious thing. The gospel is God's free grace. Amen? That's good news. That is good news. Especially knowing the record of my life. Amen? Especially knowing that. It's good news. It's not of works. What does Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? My, how you've got to have that verse of Scripture memorized if you're preaching the gospel to people. Right? Because that verse of Scripture right there tells us sola gratia and sola fide. Right? It's, it's, it's saying to us very clearly, right, that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ and that it's a free gift and it's not of works. It cannot be merited. Amen? Okay. And that justification is a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Family, I want to show you something. I got my Bible. If you want to turn there, you can. Romans 3. If there's any doubt in your mind about the fact that salvation is the free gift of God, I shouldn't even have to say free gift. Neither should God, but He does. But gifts are free. (laughs) Okay? But look with me at Romans 3. And verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, right? 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, sola gratia. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ. There you have sola gratia and sola Christus. Right? In that one verse of scripture, how is it that you're justified? As a gift by his grace. You got that? Okay, now, turn to Romans 4. Look at verse 2 and following. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. You understand? To the one who does not work. Because see, if you work for your salvation, then God would owe it to you. You understand? That's the point here. But the point here is Abraham didn't work for his salvation. He believed God and that was credited to him as righteousness. His faith was reckoned as righteousness because he was trusting in God and who God is. You understand? Turn again. Romans 5. Romans 5. Look at this. Verses 15 through 17. Now, he's talking about justification that comes by Christ, right? In Adam, Adam the, the fell away, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, right? And here he is, verse 15. But the 
Free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. You see that? It's a gift. Amen? Verse 16. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. Verse 17. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Amen? You see that? And we already turn the page. Romans 6.23 looked at, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Now, what do we derive from those three passages of Scripture? Salvation is a free gift. Amen? Now you've got sola gratia. It's gratuitous on the part of God. He gives it as a free gift. Family, the understanding of that alone destroys justification by any other means except Christ. Are you with me? Because if it's not a gift, then you've got to earn it. Amen? On the contrary, if it is a gift, then you didn't earn it. Amen? You see how clear that is? Okay. All right. So then, sola fide. Kind of wonder how we can do this here. Sola Christus is the ground, the object, or the ground of of our justification in the sight of God, right? Sola gratia says that it cannot be merited, not merited, or earned, right? But instead it is a free gift. Sola fide is the means that we lay hold of it. Sola fide is like sticking your hands out and saying, give me the gift. That's what it is. Okay, but let me tell you something. This sticking the hands out comes from God. Okay? It's right here. Sola gratia. Salvation is wholly the work of God. Okay? The calling to the elect is effectual unto salvation. All the elect will be saved. How come? Because they're elect. Right? And because God sees to it that they're saved. How does he do that? By the effectual calling of the Spirit. Right? That's the eye in the tulip. You with me? Okay. Sola fide. The only means of justification is faith apart from the works of the law. You see, it's a means. It's a means. It's a means of laying hold of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. 
Faith alone appropriates salvation. Faith is what makes it ours. Faith is what appropriates it to us. And faith is what appropriates Christ's righteousness to God on our behalf. Okay? This, of course, was in contrast to the Roman teaching that justification is complete only after we have become righteous in our own persons through faith and perseverance and good works to the end of life. And I might add suffering and purgatory for whatever sins we're already forgiven but still guilty of. (laughs) You with me? Okay, the Bible clearly teaches that salvation cannot be earned or merited in any way by people, but that it is a free gift of God's good pleasure to give it. Further, that Christ's righteousness alone is sufficient as merit before God in order to justify a person being the only redeemer and full payment for sin and provider of righteousness having fulfilled the law in his perfect life. Romans 10.4 Anybody know what Romans 10.4 says? It says, Christ is the end of the law for all who believe. That's what it says. Christ is the end of the law. You know what that means? It means Christ fulfilled the law. It's all summed up and fulfilled in him. God's righteousness has been perfectly fulfilled in Christ. And when you believe on him, you receive that righteousness paid in full lived out in the active obedience of Christ's righteousness and perfect obedience to the law. When God looks at you through Christ, he sees the law fully obeyed because Jesus fully obeyed the law. You with me? It's a glorious, glorious good news, family. It means we're reconciled to God, saved from his wrath, and given eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's a glorious reality. Therefore, justification, indeed reconciliation to God, can only be appropriated to us by faith alone, which object is Christ alone, and this comes as a gift by God's grace alone to us. You understand? Now look, here is the gospel summed up in three solas. Okay? All the important elements of the gospel that you need to know are contained right here. Okay? And that is what the reformers were protesting against the church. Okay? So, therefore... We understand what the essential meaning of Christian salvation is. Are you with me? When we understand these things, we know what salvation is. We know what the gospel is. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. These principles and truths that were established and clarified say to us very clearly the substance of the gospel. And they define it for us. You understand? They define it. They tell us the fine points. This sola gratia says, you couldn't earn it if you tried. Why? Because it's a free gift. How could we miss that? How could anybody in the church miss that if they're actually a student of the Bible? Are you with me? And this was Martin Luther's revelation, man. Right? He's reading in there, and all of a sudden, these things, all these little red lights start coming on. Right? Right? And before long, he realizes, man, 
I'm in an institution that's preaching another gospel. Right? He says, better, better, I, I, uh, better I die than violate my conscience. Right? And so he became a preacher of these truths. And family, I want to tell you that the, the, the battle, the war for this truth is as alive today as it was then in the 16th century. It's all around us. Let me tell you, your best life today, okay, is a war against these truths on the gospel. It is a full, all-out assault on this gospel right here. You with me? Think about it. It's real. It's true. I want to ask you the question, though, who is it that's got this truth? Who is it that's carrying this truth to the next generation? We are. We are. We are. Amen. We are. We are the ministers of the gospel. Every true disciple of Christ is a minister of the gospel of Christ. Okay? And, and family, listen, no one's hearing it. No one's understanding and articulating these things like you are in your world. I promise. They're few and far between. Are you with me? Maybe you found that out as you talk to other Christians. Right? And, and again, I'm not trying to say it's all about us. I'm not saying that. It's all about the truth of the gospel as it's revealed in the scripture. Are you with me? And family, when you come to a knowledge of these things, you are carrying the words of life. You are carrying the grace of God through Jesus Christ in your words. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If you don't preach it, people don't get saved. Okay, that's how it works. God saves people through the gospel. Think about how you got saved. Somebody told you the gospel. Ain't any other way for you to get saved. <laughs> but believe the gospel. Are you with me? Somebody came along and represented the gospel to you. And even that by the grace of God. Amen? What a glorious privilege we have to get to participate in the whole thing. And to be able to clearly articulate it. Right? I know when I, when I first heard the gospel, it wasn't clearly articulated. It took me quite a while to really begin to understand what it was and what it really meant, right? But I think what happens when you come across somebody who really knows what it means, and they're the ones who get to share the gospel with you and see you get saved, and then they begin to disciple you and take you into all this truth right off the bat. Pow! What a glorious thing that would be, amen? Well, you have that privilege because you have this knowledge. Amen? Are you with me? Okay then, sola fide, there is no other means of justification but faith, and this is apart from the works of the law. And I want to read this one verse of scripture to you, Romans three twenty-eight. This is another one of those that you ought to memorize. Romans three twenty-eight. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Period. Got it? So faith is the only means to lay hold of this grace that is expressed in Christ. That is purchased and manifested in Christ. This is the ground of what the grace is giving and sola fide is the way we lay hold of it. Okay? We're justified by faith. Why? Because we simply believe that Jesus reconciled us to God. 
And he did a fine job, I might add. I might also add that I can't add to what Christ did. What a foolish thought. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. All right. Praise God. Praise God for a glorious Savior who wrought my salvation perfectly. Listen, you can rest. Isn't that what he said? Come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can enter the rest of God. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And now I get to spend eternity just thanking him and living in his glorious heaven. What a privilege. What a gift. What did I add to it? I added fuel for the fire of hell. That's what I added, right? But God, right? Because of his great love wherewith he loved us, right? Made us alive together with Christ. Amen? Glorious. Glorious. Okay then. Soli Deo Gloria. Soli Deo Gloria. To God only belongs the glory for salvation. You with me? So I'm not touting Mary. Or St. Bernadette or St. Nick. Are you with me? I mean, I, I, I really don't mean to be, uh, what am I, what do I, uh, irreverent. But I mean to make this point. We don't venerate people, including you, right? Or your favorite Bible teacher or, or the great reformer Martin Luther. We don't enthrone any of those people. Right? Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone is the glory. Amen? Amen? What is Martin Luther but another sinner like me? Are you with me? So is every man and every woman who ever lived. Save the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Soli Deo Gloria. This alone is to be our motivation for life and worship. In other words, what motivates you to live? You know, now you know all of this, and now you have passed from death into life. You've passed into the eternal life of God's eternal kingdom through the blood of Jesus Christ by believing and trusting in Him. What motivates your life now? Right? The glory of God. The thanksgiving giving of salvation, the joy that he's shed abroad in our hearts, the love of God that's been poured out in our hearts. What motivates you? Are you with me? I tell you, what I hate about religion is people come into churches and, and you know, the leaders of the church are whacking the whip on them. Get to work, you Get, get, man, you people are all be out there, man. You guys, you don't ever share the gospel. And I mean, on, 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 you know. And you need to show up and you need to, you know, uh, do all these things in the church. You have all these duties you have to do. As, you know, they're tying up a heavy load, just like the Pharisees, and putting it on the backs of Christians. Let me tell you something. You learn to love God. You learn to enjoy God. You learn to be raptured away with thoughts of His beauty and His mercy and His grace. And it'll be your privilege to serve God. Are you with me? Understand what I'm saying? And there ain't anything religious about that. Nothing. Zip. 
There's nothing religious about that. What that is, is God saved me from the pit of hell and I am so thankful. Good Lord, give me a gospel to go preach. If what happened to me can happen to somebody else, I want to go share it. I want to share it with my worst enemy. Because it's so glorious. <laughs> Amen? Are you with me? And, and so, listen. When you think about Soli Deo Gloria, think of two things. Number one, God is the only one who's worthy to be praised for salvation. And number two, that is the thing that should motivate us in our hearts to want to serve the Lord with gladness and thanksgiving. You with me? So look, you know, if you're all convicted about what you're doing or not doing in the church, listen, go home and just rest, okay? Just, just go home and just think about the glory of God. Just meditate on the person of Jesus and, and realize what a wretch you are and what great lengths he went to to, to give his life and his death for you. Right? Just revel in the mercy of God. You do that long enough, and I guarantee you, you're going to become a fiery gospel preacher before long. No, nobody will have to be lighting a fire under your rear end to get you to serve in the church. Amen? Are you with me? You know, it, you run across these kind of Christians all the time. I know, there's a class full of them here. Right? They're the kind of guys who are hiding behind the water cooler <laughs> at work. <laughs> they got something to say. Right? Because he touched you. And you've never been the same. Right? The power of God came into your life and transformed you. Amen? You with me? Those are the born agains. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, you understand the point? Soli Deo Gloria? Okay? This is what motivates us. We're motivated to glorify God. Why? Because His salvation is so glorious. Because His kingdom is so righteous and holy and peaceful and joyful. You understand? Okie dokie. Because salvation is wholly the work of God from first to last, it is God alone that glory and worship is to be given. This is in contrast, of course, to the Roman teaching of papal exaltation and the veneration of Mary and the saints. Salvation is something God gives as a free gift, and he is to be acknowledged as the sole provider of it. The exaltation of people, even the best of saints, is a diabolical form of idolatry which is wrongfully robbing God's glory from him. Okay? I want to read this to you. I think you've probably read these scriptures, but I'm going to read them to you anyway. Revelation 19, verse 10. John is seeing this amazing revelation. And the angel is talking to him there about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he says, Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do that! I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. You see what the angels of God, even the angels of God say to men. Do not worship me. Worship God. You see that? Okay. 
over a couple of pages, right turn. Revelation 22.8. Again, he's getting this glorious vision of heaven, right? I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. You see that? It reminds me of, I think it's Paul and Silas, and they're preaching the gospel, these Gentiles, right? And they're healing these people. And all of a sudden, all these pagans, man, they come over and they start bowing down, right? He's Zeus. And, and, and you with me? You know that section of scripture? And Paul says, no, 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 stop. Right? It's like that angel right there. I get imagine the look on that angel's face. <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> right? He's he's thinking, mm, man, if God catches me here, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> you with me? You get the point? Soli Deo Gloria is the point. Right? It's God's glory, don't take it. Right? That's why the scripture says, None of works lest any man should boast and the only thing we do boast about is what saving the cross of my lord jesus right that's the thing we boast we boast about what jesus did amen okay all right rather if someone is a great saint okay now how should we think about the saints the great saints okay we're all saints right well we're all great saints But how should we think about those that kind of really stick out in history, like Martin Luther, okay? If someone is a great saint, we should rightly be thankful for their good service in the church, but God alone is to be glorified and venerated for working such grace in that saint. Why why was Paul a great apostle? He says, because of the grace that was at work in me, right? Why was Martin Luther... Uh, such a great reformer, right? Because of the grace of God that was at work in him. Right? Whose glory is it? Martin would be quick to tell you, and so would Paul. Amen? It's God's glory. It's God's glory. And we ought to be rightfully thankful for those who, who labor hard among us, right? We ought to be rightfully thankful for those who are a good example of godliness, Right? Of course we should. And we should give honor to those whom honor is due. Okay? But we don't venerate. We don't glorify. Are you with me? We don't worship. We don't worship wrongfully. It's one thing to say, hey, great job, brother. Pat on the back. You know? I'm, I'm thankful for you. That's great. But when you say, I'm thankful for you, what is that saying? It's putting your faith and your hope and your your glory on God and saying, God gave you to me. Right? Are you with me? Okay, then. Moreover, the only right motive for worship, service, and good works is, in fact, to glorify God. So that in our worship of God, people might see Him and His glory and virtue would shine through our life as a witness to God's good virtue, which is in us only because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So I want to turn and look at these verses of Scripture with you. Look with me at Matthew 5. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, is giving us these principles of the kingdom of God. 
Right? And he tells us what the role of good works is. It's the same role that God does everything he does. Why does God do everything he does? For the manifestation of his own glory and excellency as God. Right? Everything God does, God does to manifest his own glory. Right? Well, this is what Jesus says, Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So think about this, in such a way. What does he mean? Let your light so shine before men in such a way. Well, let me suggest that that way is humility. It's not boasting, right? It's saying, whoa, wait, time out. God is a good God and I love God. That's the only reason I do anything good, right? And it's giving the credit to God. It's giving the glory to God. It's being quick to glorify God and and slow to ever find any kind of boasting, right? You with me? As soon as we start patting ourselves on the back, I'm really good at that, by the way. Right? As soon as we start patting ourselves on the back, right? Remember Matthew 5.16, we ain't doing it anymore. Right? <clears throat> Philippians 2.15 and 16. Look what Paul says there. He says, verse 14, Do all things without grumbling and disputing. I like the NIV there. It says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. (laughs) I'm good at that too, by the way. God help me. God help me to be good at not complaining. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproached in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. You see that? Don't grumble and complain and dispute. Right? Because when you do that, you look like the rest of the world. Right? But if you do everything without grumbling and complaining, you know, hey, I'm happy with what God's given me. And I want everybody in my life to know it. I'm not some discontent grumbler walking around complaining about everything that God gave me by His grace. If I got what I deserved, I'd be toast. Amen? You with me? Instead, I'm, I'm glad, man. I'm happy. Man, everything God is giving, I'm so blessed. I am immensely blessed beyond my wildest imagination. How about you? <clears throat> so what happens when I walk around and I have that kind of an attitude is people look at me and they say, man, what planet are you from? <laughs> right? They see you. They see you face some tragedy in your life. And then they see you thanking God and they say, good night. Man, you're weird. You're a fanatic. You bet I am. Right? You with me? And they understand something very different, right? They're in darkness and the light is shining and the darkness doesn't understand it. You with me? All they can do is say, wow, that's that's something really freaky. Tell me more about that. <laughs> right? You with me? You shine as lights. 
holy and blameless children of God, shining as lights in the midst of a perverse generation, a dark and sinful world. You with me? Because we're motivated by the glory of God. We're motivated by God's good virtue. And I want to define what God's good virtue is for you. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. And let's look at verse 22. Here's what Paul says is the fruit that comes from the indwelling Holy Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are God's good virtues. These are the attributes of God. See, God's faithful. He's, he's, he's meek. He's compassionate. Right? He's, Jesus says, I'm, I'm lowly and humble in heart. Right? God is a God of amazing love. And joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? Amen. And he's a God of peace. You know, he wants to lay down the sword. He's not ready to hack somebody's head off. Right? Unlike me on many occasions. Right? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He wants to make peace. He's a peacemaker. Are you with me? And he's very patient. You know, he's not like me, right? But, oh, how I want to be like him. I want to be patient like he is patient. Don't you? And how about this one? Kindness. Kindness. I see Christians, this just convicting me. I see Christians, they're so kind. They're always so, you know, I'm over here having dinner and somebody wants to come over there and take my empty plate and haul it to the trash can. And I'm thinking, your God is kind. And I see it in you. Are you with me? Those Christians, they're so kind. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that's how I want people to see me because I want them to see Jesus. Right? Are you with me? Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, and so are the rest of those. Shall we thank our God for them? Amen. Our Father God, soli Deo Gloria, yours alone is the glory, God. And we do praise you. We honor you and we bless you. And we thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. Oh God, we have nothing left to do but rejoice in the good news of the gospel. And rejoice in the salvation that you've given us. And rejoice in the blessed Holy Spirit who lives in our heart and produces these things in us. And Father, we are so thankful for Jesus' perfect life and for his death on the cross. In which we stand totally righteous, justified, forgiven and redeemed. We thank you and we praise you because of Jesus. Amen.